Isn't that a beautiful song? Wow. I would ask that you take your Bibles, turn to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 22. Proverbs, if you just open the Bible to the middle, you usually find the Psalms, and it's Psalms, Proverbs. The Proverbs, of course, are the wisdom literature of the Scriptures, kind of like James uh, that we read earlier and we'll read next week. It's kind of the wisdom literature of the New Testament, but in a different kind of way. These are various sayings and, and descriptions that help us live life in a way that is wise and uh, true in all different settings, different cultures, and different situations. We're going to be talking about poverty today. We're going to be talking about our Lord pleading the cause of the poor, which has always been an expression of the faith. I want to give you an example of something, a true story. A few years ago, one of our smaller churches in L.A. had about 20 people in it, a fairly small sanctuary, but it had a balcony that was not in use. And so a woman came needing housing, and this small church decided to allow her to move into the balcony. Now their thinking was very simple. You can understand it. They weren't using it. A woman needed a place to live. And so let's have her move in. And so out of compassion, out of uh, love, they tried to put into action uh, the words that uh, James teaches us and that Jesus teaches us. They opened their doors. Now, we can uh, identify with those deep, compassionate feelings, and we can identify with the desire to help uh, this poor woman. But we also immediately, as soon as we hear that somebody moved into the balcony of the sanctuary, we realize that that's, that's not a real wise thing to do. There has got to be a better plan than that. Obviously, there's, it's not adequate for housing. There's no shower. There's no kitchen. There's no way to care for herself. There's simply a floor and a space that is there. And so, as Christians do, we thought together with this small church, and we brought together heart and head, and we thought, okay, how can we care for this person? We found a place for her, a place that was truly adequate for housing, but it added the other element that was missing when you just simply allow someone to move into your balcony there was no plan for lifting her out of that poverty and into a place of caring for herself. And so the church, along with our help, found an organization that could provide good housing but also had a plan for employment, for getting her situated and ready to uh, gain uh, employment. And uh, as I understand, that has occurred. Now that's a simple example, but it's not nearly as simple as it sounds. Poverty is not simple. Not only are there many causes requiring different solutions for different people, but there are different types of poverty, each with a unique cause, why there's that type of poverty in the world, and therefore a unique solution to it. Let me give you an example by going back to the Hebrew language and the Old Testament's teaching on poverty. In biblical Hebrew, there are four words which we translate all with the word poor in the English language, like love. There's so much more in the Bible about love than our one little singular word we call love. 
Same thing is true of the word poor. The first word that I would bring to your attention is ana, which means you're poor because in some way you're being afflicted. Perhaps war has broken out and they've taken everything that you own or you've been brought into either economic or actual slavery and they've taken everything you own or perhaps dishonesty came into your business and you lost everything or perhaps greed has entered into your business such that you are not being provided with the hard work that you're doing. Uh, Anna describes any enemy that afflicts a person such that it takes what you have and you're now Anna. You're now poor. The Anna need protection. They need freedom. They need justice. All of us will be Anna if for some reason we become conquered as a nation and what we have is taken from us by some kind of enemy, either foreign or domestic. Now the second Hebrew word that describes poor is the word dal. To be dal is to be deprived of material possessions and therefore socially weak. The, the word dal literally means lowered and it de defines a person who has to live in the lower class. The doll just simply needs assistance, uh, education, opportunity, so that they can rise economically and rise socially within uh, the, the nation. When the doll are kept from school, for example, as they are in many nations of the world, if you can't afford a uniform, you don't get educated in many of the nations of our world. And so millions are dull. They remain weak. They remain without opportunity. This is why, of course, years ago, our denomination started International Child Care Ministry, which Ricky and Char were a part of. These are ministries that go into nations and provide opportunity for these children that would not have opportunity to be educated, to have the funds to buy uniforms and books and go to school and be able to have opportunity to rise out of poverty, to be able to live in a world that is increasingly complex. Another example of that, deprivation that causes dull, is when our banks used to redline whole regions of cities, and they would not give loans to businesses and people in those regions of cities. And it caused those areas to become depressed economically, socially, educationally. There weren't the funds in order for the, the individuals there to care for their children. They were the impoverished poor, the doll. Such redlining now, as you know, is illegal. But keeping resources from certain people continues to happen, and that's doll. The third Hebrew word we translate poor is rush. And it describes not just being deprived and denied and afflicted, but to be utterly destitute, uh, lower than the lowest, not even on the scale, an outcast. The rush don't so much need protection and opportunity as the other two do, but actual physical existence or they will perish. They are starving. They are destitute. And finally, there's interesting, the fourth word, and, and there are many other Hebrew concepts and Old Testament concepts having to do with 
caring for and justice for the poor as spoken all the way through the prophets in the Old Testament. But just to keep it to these four words, being ebion is to be a person to have no hope but God. No hope in this human situation of the world. To be ebion is to have no hope. Enemies are afflicting. Opportunities are denied you. You're destitute of resources. You're outcast of family. Your only hope is God. The Ibion are alone in the world. They need a father. They need a father God. They need a family of God. They need a place of responsibility, opportunity, resourcing, protection. One of our newest church plants is moving into the poorest part of the inner city of L.A., and they've called themselves the Orphan Church, for the city needs a father. Now, I know it goes without saying that none of these words describe a lazy person, a person who won't work, or a manipulative person, a person who lives off the hard work of others. The Bible is clear from both its wisdom literature all the way through the Proverbs to the epistles and the teachings of the writings of the, of the apostles that when a person is unwilling to work, then that's a whole different situation. That's not poor as it's defined biblically. Our response to a person unwilling to work from a biblical perspective is to work, making sure they have opportunity to do so, education to do so, and to be able to provide for them. On the other hand, people truly unable to take care of themselves within a biblical perspective, those who are truly handicapped, disabled, unable to provide for themselves, they are to be treated with kindness, generosity, so that they are taken care of. But let's go back to the Hebrew concept of poverty. Earlier in the service, Dave uh, Doug, as he was getting ready to read uh, the text for the introduction of the, the missions team to Miami, read the counsel of James, the brother of Jesus. Now, understanding the types of poverty that there are that he's referring to, you immediately see that you need to go back and reread James. Because he's not just talking about the poor and whatever word your English concept of that word was. Biblically, it's far more complex and it's something that you need to say, okay, we are to help every person who's poor but it must be uniquely suited to the unique type of poverty that the individual is experiencing. Therefore, there's, there's nothing more complex in the ministry of the church than to care for the poor in all of its complexity. Oftentimes it means, as we've done with international child care, education, making sure they have food, making sure that these young bodies can develop and that they have a place in an increasingly complex world. Other situations, it requires other things that our missionaries do, from medical care to the provision of the church and the family of God in all the locations and, and on and on. But go back and read James and, and think about it in, in the four different ways. What, what is it that he's saying? But for now, we're going to go back a thousand years before James. We're going to go back about, uh, about 3,000 years from where we are today. And we're going to go to the book of Proverbs. Now, well, the section that we happen to be reading 
bridges over two parts of Proverbs. The first is the, the wisdom of Solomon, the king of Israel, the son of David. And much of, of the Proverbs uh, are ascribed to him. In the last two uh, sections of verses, the last four verses we're going to study today, they come from the words of the wise. Now these, the scholars say, come from the Egyptian work that it comes out of the, what's called the age of personal piety, which I think was influenced by the, the people of God being with them for so many years. But this is uh, a very uh, unique writing within Egyptian thought and Egyptian wisdom. So the lectionary, of course, pulls out just the verses having to do with the poor. So we're going to be kind of skipping over some verses. So go to Proverbs 22. We're going to start with the first verse, and then I'll, I'll pull you down into the next verses as we go to each section. Here Solomon says, A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. Rich and poor, and here the word is rush, rich and poor, the utterly destitute, have this in common. The Lord is maker of them all. And then verse 8 and 9. Whoever sows injustice reaps calamity, and the rod they wield in fury will be broken. The generous will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor, and here the word is dal, those who need assistance. And then down to verse 22 and 23, do not exploit the dal because they are dal. Do not exploit the poor because they are poor. And do not crush the needy, the anah, those afflicted by oppression in court. Don't use the legal system to afflict someone. Do not crush the needy in court. For the Lord Yahweh will take up their case and will exact life for life. And here the phrase is a very specific, Kaba not nefesh Kaba, rob the life of the one who robbed them. So when we take the life of another, we will reap what we sow. Let's pray. Father, each one of us are here today recognizing that we are a part of the family of God throughout the world, every human being created in your image. And we're a part of the solution that you've left when you left the 12 disciples to start the church. And you gave us your Holy Spirit, and you gave us the sacrament, and you gave us the words, and you said, go and change the world, bring peace and justice, bring righteousness and truth into this world. And this is our generation. This is our, our task. And it's overwhelming for us at times, Father. Speak to each of us. Help us be able to do what we can in whatever small or large way is at our disposal. And of course, we'll give you the praise for, for you alone are, are capable of change. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as you can see, from ancient Egypt to ancient Israel to Jesus Christ to John Wesley to B.T. Roberts, going right down our tradition and our line, wise people care for those who are poor. It's a part of any just and true society and certainly any part of a Wesleyan free Methodist perspective of life. But as we've also seen, 
the poor are not monolithic. To just speak about someone being poor is not to describe enough the uniqueness of every person and the unique response that we individually and collectively are responsible to make. But when you look at these uh, eight verses that we get from the Proverbs, there are two overall principles that we want to apply. First, recognition that all of us are equally created in the image of God. In the eyes of God, and therefore in our redeemed perspective as his people, rich and poor have this in common. The Lord, Yahweh, is the maker of them all. So one of the overarching solutions is that there must be no us and them in Christian thinking. It's all us. We are in this human experience together with every human that is born in every nation in whatever level of life they're experiencing. But that statement cannot be just an idealistic rhetoric that we express in the well-fed sanctuaries of America. It must be the way we live each of our lives in all the opportunities that are presented to us. If we have one of us anywhere experiencing affliction or loss or denial or injustice, then we need to be there in the unique way that is needed. This, of course, is the power of the cross. The invitation of the sacrament is that all of us are equal at the table. We all are equal at the foot of the cross. We're all in need of the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. We are all a part of our Father's family. All of us are offered the full resources that come from the Trinity, from God's almighty care, now and in the world to come. All of us are under the protection of a Savior in the face of injustice and that which is not right. All of us live equal in the kingdom of God. There is not those who are striated and lower and higher within the kingdom of God. Second, the other overarching principle is that we generously share with us. As Christians, we do not hoard. We generously share appropriately, wisely, uniquely to the needs that specifically would fit the need of the person. But again, the greatest symbol of that is the table of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not only is everyone equally welcome, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. And so we serve open communion and every person is welcome to come and sit at the table of our Father with us. But of course, it's the time when we are nourished by this life empowerment that only God can give. We are all a beyond. We are all destitute. We are all in need of God. We're all in need of what God can do in our lives. And that life and empowerment and cleansing is the reality of life. In, in, in any kind of analysis, it's not silver or gold that defines our generosity. 
It is the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ that is offered for all and that we all equally come before him, recognizing that it is his great love and power that makes us who we are and makes his kingdom what it is. The holy sacrament is the blessed table. It's the table of his presence. It's the table of his love. It's the table where there are no distinctions. There's no declinations. There's only humanity coming at the foot of the cross and Jesus Christ offering that to all. And so we invite you today. We invite you to come and experience and express the solidarity that we have with all humanity and with our Savior, that we are going to be present in every way. Our two teenagers said it in such powerful testimony to be present, Annalise said, to serve, Ryan said. That's the simple truth of the, of the gospel and of the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. He wants us to care for the afflicted, for the powerless, for the denied. He wants us to be there for the destitute. He wants us to provide the great nourishment that comes only through Jesus Christ. And so we invite you to come forward and we are going to gather to partake of the Blessed Sacrament. This is what every human being needs if we're to have life and to have it abundantly.